0: Good morning, church. Uh, Hey, great to worship with you. And and listen, I'm praying that as we're doing this, that you guys are worshiping, that you're gathering together as a family. You're making this real. You're not just uh, kind of sitting back and, and listening, but you're participating that you're worshiping, that you're singing your heart out. And hey, for those of us that don't sing well, who cares, nobody can hear us. So that's one of the benefits of not coming together. Hey, as we are gathering here online, Uh, I know it's awkward for you guys, but let me tell you, man, it's really awkward for us as we're looking out at empty chairs and wishing you were here, but you know what, man? God is in control, and God is going to bless this time, so it's our prayer that as we get into the Word here in a moment that God will bless you and encourage you and strengthen you. Hey, I do want you, you can go ahead and start opening your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1 while you're doing that again we want to remind you no resurrection service at the high school that has been canceled we're not going to do that but we are going to do it here one way or another, we're either gonna all be able to gather together, and that'll be awesome if we're able to do that, but if not, we're gonna do our resurrection celebration here at the church, and if it's online, hey, we're gonna have a full worship team. We're gonna do it like we're all together, so uh, don't, don't just like kinda ditch that. That's gonna be a great time, looking forward to that. And, uh, and also, uh, we're kinda putting it out there if you guys want to do a QA and a this Thursday, you can uh, use Facebook to do the questions, you can text them to us. So, hey, let us know as you, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, let us know, yes, I want to do a Q&A on Thursday, and it will be live, and we will be interacting together, and if you are not on Facebook, if you're watching on the app or online, you can uh, text us at 520-210-3678, and you you can say yes I want to do a QA. and a so hey let us know about that and if we get enough people that want to participate we'll do it I think it'll be fun although you're not here uh, we'll be able to do that so uh, again let us know about that and I do want to remind you you can interact with us while you're watching and uh, we will also send us some prayer requests man if, if something's going on in your life let us know we want to pray with you again you can do that uh, at, on Facebook live or you can also text us again, 520-210-3678, and let us know that uh, uh, we can pray for you, or let us know if you want to do the Q&A. Hey, before we get into Timothy, I want to read to you out of Romans. Uh, Paul wrote this to the church at Rome, and he couldn't be with them. And I think it's appropriate for me to read this to you because I can't be with you. But he says, first of all, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by mutual faith, both of you and me. And you know what, I feel that way about you guys. Hey, I would love to be there, but here's what I know. In the spirit, we are together. So, hey, before we get into the teaching, let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, we look forward to this time in your word. And God, we know that you have something for every single one of us. So Lord, speak to us. As we open up our word, as, as uh, Lord, we go through this passage, I know that you want to change our lives. So God, we pray that you would do that. And Lord, I do lift up our, our country. I lift up the leaders. I lift up the researchers. And Lord, we pray that there would be a quick end to this uh, COVID-19, that we could get back to what we call normal. And bless this time. Open up our hearts to receive, and Lord, be uh, glorified as we go through your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as I was going over this, you know, I'm a guy, uh, I was trying to think of a title. I'm not a title guy. Uh, oftentimes when I go to uh, churches and teach, he'll say, hey, Pat, what's your title? And I'll tell him, First Timothy chapter 1. And they go, we know what you're teaching, but what's your title? And I tell them, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm real creative that way. And uh, I do that. So, uh, you know, I was trying to think of a title. And this one, you know, I'm thinking 1 Timothy chapter one's a good title. But, you know, something else. Man, I want us to think about Paul writing to Timothy. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, you got to stand firm. Hey, you're in the midst of a revolution and you got to take a stand. And I think that's hard. Listen, it was hard for Timothy and I think it's a little bit harder for us. We got to take a stand and 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 Nick gave a great illustration. Hey, there's things going on in this uh, world called Christianity that to me are outrageous. And brothers and sisters, we got to take a stand. And we got to stand firm on the Word of God and what God has. So, you know, that's the direction I want to go as we look at this and, and, and do this. And here's the thing, that uh, studying this and putting it together, here's the thing that I came away with. Paul could tell Timothy these things to me for two reasons. Paul knew who he was, and Paul knew what he was. And we'll develop those and think about those as we, as we go through this. So, hey, let's just kind of open up and, and listen. I'm not going to spend a lot of time kind of introducing and doing those things because I think I'm talking to people who sort of know what's going on. And I'm not going to do a lot of the background stuff. But Paul starts out in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace, from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul starts out, and first of all, hey, he knows who he is. He's Paul the Apostle. Not because Paul was looking for a title, not because Paul wanted a title. And I love, hey, I love here in 1 Timothy, he says, Paul the Apostle of God, did you pick up on that? Not by the will of God, but he says by the commandment of God. Hey, it was, it was solidified in his heart, this is what I'm called to. And I hope this morning, listen, if you're a pastor today, I hope that you know that you're called that you are convinced. I I, I don't want you to think you're called because someone gave you a certificate or someone, you know, laid hands on you, but you know you're called because you know God has called you and placed you in that position. And I, listen, man, I, I love reading. And here's a challenge for you guys if you haven't done this. Hey, read your Bible sometime. The Pauline epistles, we like to call them. That kind of sounds weird to me, but hey, read through them and write down the autobiographical remarks that Paul makes and you'll learn a lot about the Apostle Paul. Just get a paper and read through, like read through 1 Corinthians, read all of the things Paul says about himself Then read 2 Corinthians and read, you know, and just go through the entire uh, letters that he wrote and write down those things and you're gonna come away with a picture of Paul that you never saw before. So number one, he's convinced of his calling and then notice he says, my true son, he said, hey, Man, this guy loves Timothy, doesn't he? Hey, when I think about that, I don't believe Paul was the one who converted Timothy. There's some argument and people want to fight about that. I think Timothy's mom and grandma were the ones who poured into him. You know, I love when you read it and, and it says about his, his, his godly mother and his godly grandmother. And, and I believe, listen, they were instrumental in that. But Paul, Paul loved him like a son. Paul became so bonded to him. Listen, I I believe Paul thought of him as closer to a a son than some uh, 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 biological son he had. Man, he loved this guy. And here's the thing, man, he's worried for him. He's scared. Now, it's interesting, five years ago, not five years ago here, but five years ago for Paul. Five years ago, Paul left Ephesus. Ephesus. And we even studied it last year at this conference. And Paul left Ephesus and he talked to the guys and he said, hey, you need to be careful. And he talked to the elders and he says, you guys need to watch what you're doing. You need to stick with it. In five years, man, they have gone pew. And he left Timothy there. Now here's, here's what I'm kind of thinking. Five years later, no, we're five years later. And I think in Timothy's thinking, I am so done. Like I don't even like these people anymore. I don't even want to be here. And Paul is sensing that. Listen, he's sensing that. And and he's ready to bell on ministry. Ever been there? Ever wanted to just quit? Just walk away? And have you ever had some dear brother or sister come along and say, hey, you you really shouldn't walk away. It's not time. I did a church plant early on. Uh, I was talking to Tony Clark uh, uh, earlier, I I planted a church in Bisbee after I got out of Bible college and I was there for two and a half years and uh, it was not a good church plan. I've told people, I can tell you how not to plant a church. Not sure I can tell you how to do it, but I can tell you how not to do it because it was sort of a failure. It was a mess and it blew up on me. And I'll tell you what, man, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit way early on, but I had a close friend and he goes, Pat, you can't quit. I go, but I so want to quit. And he goes, but you can't quit. And I go, well, you know what? Then you take over and I'll just serve you. And he goes, no, you can't quit. And listen, that's what, that's what Paul's doing to Timothy. Now, here's a freaky thing. Timothy took over for Paul. Have you ever taken over a church? Some of you sitting here, some of you planted, some of you've taken over another church. Could you imagine following Paul? Who was the pastor before you? Oh, was Paul. All right. So now I kind of get why he wants to quit, right? And it's tough. So listen, Paul begins here and he tells him in verse three, he says, Timothy, I urge you, listen, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine Uh, no other doctrine nor give heed to fables or endless genealogies which can uh, which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is or or which is by not in faith I think by faith is better here's what he's saying Timothy you got to stay there why because no one else is going to do it and Timothy you got to stay there and you got to stand your ground and listen that's hard it's hard It wasn't, listen, it wasn't, I don't think it was any easier in the first century than it is in the 21st century. And he's saying, you gotta stand, Timothy. I want you to take a stand. Now, why is Paul telling him that? Because stuff's going on. If nothing was going on, Paul wouldn't write about that. But he goes, hey, Timothy, stuff's going on. And man, I'm telling you, you can't leave. You can't leave. Because if you leave, Who's gonna tell them? Who's gonna take the stand? Who's gonna do that? And here's what I know from experience. Taking stands is not always easy. Taking stands can get real difficult. Now, we're going to read in a moment, because I think it's important, how Paul can do that and why he can do that. But listen, he's saying, I want you to take a stand, and I want you to be a man who you're going to stand firm on doctrine. And he says, don't give heed to these other things going on. Here it's fables, endless genealogies, and they cause disputes rather than edification. Guys, we're here to edify the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ. And I believe there's proper ways of doing it, and I believe there's improper ways of doing it. And I believe, listen, when we do it improperly, we're gonna build up and people are gonna get to the place where it's gonna crumble on them. So you and I, listen, you and I have a responsibility to give out doctrine and sound doctrine to the people, and he says, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. Now, this next part, I'm going to go through kind of fast because I, I want to get to other areas. But look at verse five. He says, Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Now, some people, listen, some people think that love always has to be kind of mushy and kind. And you can't say anything against anybody, you can't say anything wrong you can't quote call people out. you can't tell people that they're doing things wrong i listen I think that's I think that's just mushy goop real love real love cares. real love is going to Confront. Real love is going to talk to you about the things. Listen, if you're blown in an area, if I really loved you, I should tell you, right? I should be enough concerned about you and care enough about you that I'm going to say, hey, why are you doing that? So Paul says, listen, this is coming from love. Hey, nobody loved the church at Ephesus like the Apostle Paul. He spent three years there. So he says, listen, it's coming from love. And he says it's coming from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from a sincere, a genuine faith. From which, verse 6, from which some, having strayed, uh, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm firm but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully knowing this that the law is not made for right for a righteous person, but for the lawless, for the, uh, uh, for the uh, insubordinate, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for the unholy, for the profane, for the murderers of fathers, for the murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So listen, man, he lists some sins there, doesn't he? That's a huge, long list that Paul goes through. That's what the law is about. The law came to reveal sin, and that's what it's for, and here's what he's saying, man. There's some guys that are ignoring that. They're pushing that aside. Listen, I'm not saying they're doing those sins, but they're not talking about them. Hey, let's don't talk about that. We might hurt somebody. The culture that you and I live in, it's hard, isn't it? Man, you bring things up and people, man, you gotta be, you're, you're awful narrow-minded, or man, you're kinda judgmental, or, you know, etc., etc. Listen, I, I think we live in a time that it's getting more and more difficult to call sin, sin. And yet we're called to do that. Listen to this. This is, this, is, this is talking about the kind of what we're looking at here. Indeed, one of the chief tenets of postmodernism is that there is no such thing as objective truth, let alone universal and in, eternal truth. On the contrary, everybody has her, his or her own truth, and you have yours and I have mine, and they, may, uh, and they may diverge wisely from each other and even contradict each other. And in consequence, the most prized virtue is tolerance. It is tolerates everything except the intolerance of those who insist that certain ideas are true and others are false, while certain practices are good and others are evil. Man, that's where we're living. And here's what Paul's saying. Timothy, you gotta tell these people There's truth. And whenever, listen, whenever we talk about truth, we draw a line in the sand. Have you ever noticed that? And we draw that line in the sand, and man, some people, they get a little bit uptight about us, right? And they're going, man, you are awful intolerant. No, man, I love you, and I care about you. And here's the thing, man, if we cannot discuss the things that Paul just wrote in these few verses, then let me tell you something you're not giving people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. Listen, he lists those things and then look at verse 11 because it's important to understand. He listed all those things and he says any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was, which was committed to my trust. I underline heavily the word glorious. Because the gospel's only glorious when you recognize the things in the previous two verses. When you recognize that sin is sin and how sinful sin is and you're willing to admit it. But listen, in the church today, the gospel's not glorious. This is okay. We're just telling people, hey, you know what, man? Just add it to your life and you'll be fine. You don't have to change much. You don't have to do much because I don't want to offend you. I don't want to do anything to you. So you know what, Just let's just carry on. Let's go in the back and smoke some weed together and we'll figure this thing out. And now you don't have a glorious gospel. Why is the gospel glorious? We're gonna find out in a minute. You know why the gospel's glorious? Because it saves sinners. And if we're not telling people they're sinners, the gospel's not glorious anymore. We just got a changed lifestyle. I don't want just a changed lifestyle. If I want just a changed lifestyle, I'll find some club to join. I want a changed heart. I wanna be changed from the inside. So he says, listen, and then here's the last part of verse 11, I think is so important for us. Paul says, man, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Pastors and leaders, he's committed it to our trust. Nobody else is gonna take care of this thing we call the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're not taking care of it. If we're not somebody that's holding it dear and holding it high and, and hanging on to it, hey, then you know what? The world sure isn't going to do it. And guess what? Those we're teaching are not going to do it either because we're not caring. And so, man, Paul here, Paul Paul is like laying it all out. Now, some of you, someone's sitting there going, dude, man, that's kind of heavy. And why is he doing that? And you know, it's like one o'clock, man. You should be light. Why is Paul doing that? because he cares. You see, for Paul, eternity is what it's all about. Not the present, not making people happy. Eternity is what it's all about. And now we're going to find out, and kind of this is what I I really want to jump into. Now we're going to kind of find out the heart of Paul. You see, we found out who Paul was, but now we're going to find out what he is because this is what makes this man tick and let's think about it so he just he just called out and listed those sins and you can go over those sins and you know go over them again and again and try and rewrite them and try and fix them and try and manipulate them but you can't really they're they're there you got to deal with them and now he's talking about the glorious gospel. Now, listen to what he says this gospel that was committed to him. Verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Woo! When was the last time, Pastor, that you got on your knees and you thank God that you got to do what you get to do? That you realize, man, God has given me this tremendous privilege. Hey, every time, every time, before I get up and teach in our church, I thank God that we get to do what we get to do. What a privilege it is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to be somebody who gets to handle this thing we call the gospel. And listen, Paul goes, man, listen, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, who has enabled me. You know, when I read that, I think about Paul isn't the one doing it. Here's what Paul's saying. Jesus is doing it through me. All I got to do is be a vessel. All I got to do is open myself up and say, Lord, just like flow through me. You know, in our fellowship, a lot of times I say, we're just a bunch of hoses. Not we're all hosed. We're just a bunch of hoses. I say, we're just a bunch of hoses and we just got to let, listen, man, just let the spirit flow through you and let him enable you. You know, a good, a good illustration of this enabling, like, I think you might know this. I'm not a lifter. I'm not a weight lifter. So it might shock some of you, but, but you know, I don't, I don't lift. But, you know, when you watch those guys, and, and they have spotters, right? And they always have a spotter, especially when they're benching, you know, like 80,000 pounds or whatever they do. And, and, hey, can you spot me? And they got a spotter so they don't choke themselves and die. And, and hey, oftentimes, though, oftentimes the spotter is like, and he's doing all the work, right? And the guy's going, whoa, I just lifted that. No, you didn't. It was me. That's Jesus here, right? That's a good illustration, like, he's our spotter. And Paul says, man, he's the one who enables me. He's the one who does it. And then he says, man, he counted me faithful. Listen, he didn't look at Paul and say, Paul, I know you're gonna be faithful. It's Jesus made him faithful. Jesus is the one who caused that, and then then I love it, man. And then he put me into the ministry. You know, you'll stay in the ministry if you understand that God put you in the ministry. Because the only way you can quit is when he tells you to quit, and when he lets you quit. Now, it gets better. Listen, he, he put me into the ministry, verse 13. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Here's what Paul's saying, man. Before, before I went into ministry, I was horrible. Now, some of us, you know, some of us, we want to glorify our, our our testimony. We have to be careful. But hey, I, I can go along with Paul. When my wife got saved, my wife got saved before I got saved. And I remember she came, she came and, and, you know, I, I, the thing I remember most about it is my wife changed. And I went, wow, she has changed. And I saw this incredible change in her, but I thought I could never do that. And so I kind of resisted and, and I remember one, one night we're doing something and I was cursing like I always cursed and, and she says, honey, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. And I said, woman? <laughs> this is my home and I'll talk the way I wanna talk. And she's a saint because she didn't leave me over that. <laughs> and then she asked me if I would, she finally got me, why don't we read the Bible together? That was a major mistake. Like I'm reading the Bible with her and I'm making fun of every single part of it. I'm making fun of Noah getting drunk. I'm making fun of Abraham doing, I'm, I'm just like, and, and finally she goes, she says, I don't want to read the Bible with you anymore. <laughs> and then I got saved. I'm, a, I'm amazed that God saved me. Number one, first and foremost, I'm amazed that God saved me. M- maybe some of you, you kind of think, yeah, he got a deal when he got me. Listen, I'm amazed, I'm amazed that he saved me. I'm shocked and then I'm amazed that he lets me do what I do and I believe that's what Paul's saying here Paul's saying man if you knew the things I did so listen what is he He's a sinner saved by grace. Oh, it gets better. Look, in verse 14, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceedingly abundant with the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Listen, it wasn't just abundant. And and I love this whole thing, man. I I I, I use this illustration. I'm from Arizona, and any any water flowing is huge to us, right? Us guys in Arizona. And you think of Niagara Falls, you know? And and and, and just the, you know, millions of gallons they're going over like every minute and you're just going (laughs) there's not that much water in the world you know and and that's this grace this grace is equivalent to that it doesn't stop God's grace is never ending it's now we got to be careful because sometimes we mix up grace with we think well then I can live however I want no that's not grace grace changes you Grace works in your life. Well, and then, and then he goes further. Listen, he's got all of this abundant grace. And then he says, listen, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Is that true or not? Hey, he didn't come into the world, listen, he didn't come into the world to give you a better life. He came into the world to save you from an eternal destiny of punishment. He came into the world because he loves you and he doesn't want that. And listen, we kind of treat it like, well, you know, I just kind of like the lifestyle better. It's just, you know, it's just, hey, if you don't understand that you were destined for eternal punishment and God intervened in your life and saved you from that, man, you don't have much going on for you. I'm sorry. You don't. And Paul says, man, listen, man, he came into the world to save sinners, and then most of us know this, and, and, and he says, what? Of whom I am chief. Wow. Not I was, I am. Greek or English, it's in the present tense. Hopefully you didn't skip that day in class when he told you about tenses. <laughs> present tense means right now, right now. I read that and I'm a little bit taken back. Because here's what I know, man. He was, like the, he was like the hero of his generation, right? I mean, we're talking the Apostle Paul. And he's saying, I am the chief of sinners. You know, sometimes people talk to me and they they want to tell me how bad they are and I go, well, I know someone worse than you. (laughs) No, there's nobody worse than me. Yeah, you might be the second best sinner, but the first best sinner is Paul. Why? Because he said so. Now listen, listen, Paul's not saying, he's he's not saying that he's out carousing and doing things. Here's what he realizes. The closer he gets to Jesus, the more magnified his sin gets. And we, we get into this thing, and I think we're all guilty of this, right? The big sins and the little sins. And we we kind of discount the little sins, right? I can do the little sins, but the big sins I don't do. Now, I want to I wanna express something. Why could Paul so heavily confront what was going on in the church at that time, in that generation. I think for one reason. Because he knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew what was going on. And listen, his heart was pure and his heart was at that place he could confront them at that moment and tell them, you need to stop it and you need to change. And you know, I'm right with, I'm right with Nick. I hear so much stuff going on. And in the church right now, listen, in the church right now, we're afraid to talk to one another about what one another's doing. Well, I can't confront that, man. You know, because I'm a sinner. Well, Paul's a sinner and he's not afraid to confront it. Why? Because he's not relishing in his sin. He's not proud of his sin. He's just making a statement. He says, it's okay. Hey, do you ever, are you ever amazed, like, thinking about Paul confronting Peter, you read that? Paul told him to his face, dude, why are you doing this? And we need to be doing that. We need to care enough about each other to do that. And Paul says, man, listen, he came in to save sinners of whom I am the worst. However, verse 16, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Here's what Paul knows. Because I'm a sinner, I got mercy. I love mercy. Mercy is what? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. I love it, I love, I love the idea, man, that I sometimes, I know what I deserve, and I'm not getting it, woo! Yes! Man, that, listen, that's good, especially when it's involving traffic. <laughs> I think other people should get busted. The people around me bugging me, I'm thinking, "Where's the cops? Where are they here? The lights are behind me. I'm going, mercy, 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 mercy. mercy. <laughs> and here's what Paul's saying. Listen, here's what Paul's saying, man. He goes, "Listen, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Why? That in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Here's what Paul's letting you and I know. This is, a, this is the big one. If you're a church leader, which I'm assuming you are if you're here or you're aspiring to be if you're here, do you hear what Paul just said? We have a responsibility to live a life that is an example to other people. We have a responsibility to live in such a way that other people are encouraged in their walk with the Lord, that they're edified, that they're strengthened. We should never live in such a way that gives somebody else an excuse to do something. And yet I see that in a church. Hey, you can do this and it's okay. Why is it okay? Well, because we said so, because we're in a postmodern society and I have my truth and you have your truth, and hey, it's okay. But what does the Bible say? Oh, Pat, come on, man. You're going to bring up the Bible. Yeah, I am. What does the Bible say? Because that's my guide. That's my direction. And so listen, man. Here's what Paul's saying. I want to live a life... That is an example to others, and I want others to know what Christ has done in me so that they can have that same life. And listen, even greater than that, they can go further than me. We as pastors and leaders need to lift people up and get them to the place where they can go further than we are. You know, I I remember years ago listening to some, some tapes by Pastor Chuck. I, uh, when I had my pottery studio, I went through the whole Bible with Pastor Chuck. I didn't have the opportunity to sit under him personally, but I went through the whole Bible, and, and I remember one time he's talking about, and, and, and he's talking about when he first started the church there in Costa Mesa, and, and he took it over, and I don't know how many know that story, and and I, I don't even know how many of you even know the story of this church, and this fellowship, and where it came from, because I've been around this fellowship for 20 years now, in a relationship with Pastor Robert, and and I've watched what's happened, but... Pastor Chuck started out with 25 people when he was in Costa Mesa. 25 people. And this is after he'd been in ministry for 25 years. Most of us, we want to quit after 10 years if we only have 25 people. He had 25 people. And then they got 50 people. And pretty soon, I think they got like 100 and 150. And then things are starting to happen. And then, and then Chuck tells his story. Like he went out into the area there of Costa Mesa. And here's what he says, man. The people are talking, right? hey. This thing's going on over there at this place called Calvary Chapel. And you know what some of them said? This is the greatest thing ever. Here's what they said. If God can do that through Chuck Smith, he can do that through anybody. (laughs) I love that, don't you? Hey, I believe, listen, as pastors and leaders, we're called to make people think, if he can do it, anybody can do it. And that's what Paul's saying, man, I'm an example to you. I want to be that for you, and I want to do that for you. So so listen, man, I want others to do that. And then, and then he gets so excited, verse 17. Look at verse 17. He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to uh, to God alone is uh, who is wise, to God who is alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. Listen, man, I think as Paul's writing, he's writing this, and he's writing to Timothy, and he's just writing away. And then he gets, he gets like, yeah and I want God to do this and I remember what God did and he goes and he goes man and he just starts praising the Lord right that's verse 17 he's just praising God because why because he knows what God has done in his life but Christian if there's no sin God isn't great he's just a thing and I'm afraid for the church I gotta be honest I'm afraid for the church because we're not dealing with sin anymore And people say, yeah, but Jesus came to save sinners. Yeah, he did. And when somebody gets saved and somebody gets regenerated, their lifestyle is supposed to change. We don't just add Jesus to our lifestyle. He changes us. I thank God that I'm not the person I was when I got saved. I thank God that that guy died. We were just talking yesterday in the, in the fellowship as I was teaching. I thank God that that Pat died. He died, man, and he's gone and buried. And, and hey, I, I ministered close to where I was born and raised. I was born and raised in Bisbee. Some of you from Tucson are going, whoa. <laughs> and I run into people. I have friends that look at me and they go, how on earth I can't make the connection? (laughs) Like, I know who you are. Really? Really, you're a pastor? And I go, yeah, God is good. (laughs) Yeah, but what about, and I go, that was the old Pat. He died. That Pat died in 1983 and he's gone. And listen, man, if we're not dealing with it, I don't wanna be that person anymore. I don't wanna go there anymore. I want to be changed. I want, I want, I want, I want to be an example to those around me. I want people to look at me and say, man, if God does that in his life, man, it's open for me because look at him, look at who he is. I remember the first time after I got saved, I went to a prayer meeting at a church and I walked in and I am not joking. I walked in, I sat down, a guy came up to me and he said, what on earth are you doing here? I said, I was just about to ask you that question. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, and you're changed. But let's get back to it. If sin isn't sin, what's the use? And saints, we gotta be, we gotta be people who are standing on, on this thing called the word we got to be like Paul, and Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, man, I love you like a son, and I know, listen, I know you're freaked out, and we're going to we're gonna learn more about Timothy as the week goes on here, and, and the teachings go on, and you know, he's a little bit apprehensive, and, and Timothy gets a little bit freaked out, like all of us do. Man, we go through ministry, and things begin to happen, and we, we kind of do that, and, and and Paul just keeps, come on, Timothy, keep going, man. I know, I know, I know you got a little thing going on there, but it's okay, man. Power through. Well, look at what he tells him here. Look at verse 18. And I charge. And and this charge I commit to you. So what charge is he committing to Timothy? Just what he said, man. He says, listen, what what was committed to Paul? The gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy, this charge I commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Hey, Timothy, guess what? you're going to have problems all the way through. Here's what I found. I've been in ministry almost 30 years. I was two and a half years in Bisbee and now uh, almost 28 years in, in uh, uh, Sierra Vista. And here's what I found. It doesn't go away, the war. And here's it. The war doesn't go away, especially when you're yielding to God. Because people get more uptight and more uptight and then if we get to the place where we realize man here's the thing man if we start thinking we're all that God is going to show you and it's not going to be pretty and we have to understand it's his ministry it's his church and he says Timothy wage your warfare hey brothers sisters are you waging the good warfare are you in it to win it Are you going to go all the way to the end? Are you going to do things? Hey, I'm like everybody else. And there's times I want to give up, but then there's those glorious times where God does something and you go, I can't believe he just did that. I can't believe that just happened in my life. I believe, listen, I believe we're called to preach the gospel and for sinners to get saved. I believe that with all my heart. Some of the, some of the folks from Cervis know, man, I, I give an invitation every week. I was just at a pastor's conference in Europe and, and I challenged you the guys there. Hey, I said, how many of you guys are seeing people get saved in your church and hardly anybody raised their hand? I said, really? They go, no. And I said, you know why? I said, you, you got this problem. And they go, yeah, I know. The people in Europe are hard. I go, like, well, well, you got that too. But I said, here's the issue. You're not expecting people to get saved in your church. And I want to challenge us. Listen, if you're doing church and you go to church and you don't expect anybody to get saved and you're the pastor, duh, You're just gonna kinda add that up. People are not gonna get saved. I go to church every week and I expect someone to get saved. Hey, Thursday night, two weeks ago, Thursday night, was the the mind blower to me of all mind blowers. We're going through the book of Ezekiel. It's great to give altar calls after Ezekiel, let me tell you. You know, you're like, you're you're telling everybody they're gonna burn and they're gonna be horrible and they're gonna die and the world's gonna crash on them. Hey, would anybody like to come forward and accept Jesus? (laughs) You know, and it's great. So, so hey, Laza, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I wanted to do all of, the, all of Ezekiel's rant against Tyre. The, right? So it's four chapters. Hey, you guys know when you do four chapters, you're basically just reading the Bible, right? Hey, we're just going to read four chapters, and, and we got through it, and it's heavy, man. It is heavy. And I get to the end, and, and, and I said, you know what? And I even looked out, and I, I kind of recognized almost everybody there. It's a midweek service. There's not a ton of people there. And I almost recognized, and I said, you know what? I almost recognized everybody. Like, I'm not trying to talk people out of getting saved. And I said, I, I kind of, and you know what? Hey, we're going to close with this song. If you want to accept the Lord, come forward. Someone came forward. Is that amazing? And hey, all of our staff is going, dude. How does that happen with you? You read the book of Ezekiel to them. You tell nobody to come forward, and then they come forward because it's God. It's God. He's doing these great things, and he says, "Man, wage the warfare." Hey, I can't tell you the number of times I don't want to invite people forward. You look out there and you go, "Man, it's not going to work." But you wage warfare because that's the devil. And if you're coming to church, pastor, I'm talking mostly to pastors right now. If you're going to your church and you're not expecting anybody to get saved, that's probably what's going to happen. But if you go to church and think, man, somebody, there's people that are going to get saved today. I know somebody's going to get saved. Now, I'm not telling you positive thinking. I'm telling you it's your attitude that you come with. I expect every week for people to get saved in our church. Does it happen every week? No, But when it happens, I'm going, yes, Lord. And he says, man, listen, Timothy, fight the warfare. Because, listen, he says, fight the warfare, verse 19. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. So some have rejected this faith and good conscience. And he says, listen, some have rejected concerning the faith they have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they might learn not to blaspheme. Wow. Right? Some of us are sitting here today, and we just went. Pfft. He's giving people over to Satan. Now, listen, he's not saying you be satanically. You know, here's what Paul's saying, man. You turn them over, so that things begin to happen in their life, and they realize. Here's what I'm thinking. I don't know a lot about Hymenaeus and Alexander. I, I you know, there's not a lot in Scripture about him. But here's what I know. Paul loved him. Paul loved him enough to say, "Hey, guys." Get it together or get out. And they had to make a choice. And Hymenaeus and Alexander sound like they got out. And now they got to choose, man. Listen, they got to choose. And again, in the church, so often we're afraid to do that. How can we confront people with sin when we're the chief of all sinners? It's because we understand God's grace. That's why. We understand God's mercy. And we want people to be changed. That's my heart and I pray, listen, I pray as we continue on that God gets a hold of our hearts and he makes us men and women of the word, not of the culture, not of the latest thinking. And hey, we are going to go against the culture right now. We are going so hard against the culture that we need to accept that. Don't be afraid of that because the culture is going one direction and we're going another direction. We're going to collide and we have to understand that and we have to stand in that. Hey, I don't know about you guys, I'm always blessed when we open up the word. And what an encouragement as Paul is talking to young Timothy and encouraging him to stay steadfast in the faith and stay steadfast in good sound doctrine. And hey, I'm praying that for all of us. Again, even though we can't be together, we have the Holy Spirit and we have his word. And that's the most important thing. So you guys stay steadfast, stay in the word, stay close to him. Don't forget reading through your Bible in a year and, and uh, read those passages, meditate on them, pray. And you know what? God is going to do amazing things in our lives during this time. And you know what? If you don't know Jesus, maybe somebody shared this with you from Facebook, or maybe you were just kind of trolling along in Facebook, or maybe you happened to, upon our our online and uh, our web address and now you're here and you're with us. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to give your heart to him. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. We're going to close in a moment here with prayer. And during that time, I'm going to challenge you. Give your heart to Jesus. And if you do that, you will be born again. And if God touches your heart in that specific way, let us know. You can contact us again with our email. You can contact us uh, through our website or on Facebook. You can let us know in a comment and tell us, yes, today I gave my heart to Jesus. So, hey, saints... Let's all stand up. I like to do that. I want to make this normal. So stand up. I know you're in your living room or or wherever, but I don't care. Stand up and let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge. And Lord, I pray right now. God, I pray that all of us would grow in the grace and the knowledge of who you are. And God, I pray you would give us the faith to trust you. You would give us the strength to walk with you. And during this difficult time, most of all, that we would be focused and concentrated on lifting the name of Jesus high. And God use us and our small spheres of influence right now, as they're getting narrower and narrower, use us to glorify you and I'm going to ask all the saints continue in that attitude of prayer and you know what if you don't know Jesus I want to talk to you right now so you can look up you can acknowledge you can you can listen to what we have to say but I'm going to encourage you right now give your heart to Jesus and it's this simple all you have to do is in this moment right here right there in your your living room or wherever you are is just right now say, Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I want you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you right now for your forgiveness. Come into my heart and change me. Come into my life and guide me. Today, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, if you said those words right now, God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. And we want to just encourage you to stay steadfast. And Lord, for all of us, God, we wanna walk faithfully during this time. Actually, Lord, we wanna walk triumphantly during this time, glorifying our God and lifting up his name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name amen. Hey, saints, what a joy to gather together. Looking forward to seeing you. Let us know again on Thursday. If you want to do that live Q&A, we will have live worship. We'll do a live Q&A interacting with you. So let us know. If you don't want to do it, I guess you could tell us that too. That would be fine. God bless you guys.